Welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Shell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. Father God, open the word. We don't want to. We don't want to just be entertained. We don't want to be uh, just informed. We want to be challenged with the word. We want to be. We want to be deepened in the things of God. We want to live this stuff, not just read about it. Would you let these men and women be our mentors? Would you teach us how to walk in New Testament Christianity? Lord, we want it all. I pray for the grace to speak your word and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. People need a God who actually does something. We live in a world filled with varieties of invented gods and philosophies. They only exist because of someone's imagination. They make great claims but provide no proof they exist. We're told to trust them and after we die, it'll all become real. How many different theories about life and death have you heard? Undoubtedly, the answer is so many, and they all contradict one another, that you may have been left wondering if reliable truths about the spiritual world exist anywhere. Or is all religion just guesswork? And before someone answers, well, at least we know Christianity is true, may I ask how we know that? What caused you to entrust your eternity to Jesus Christ? Yes, Christianity is a beautiful religion, and by comparison, my judgment, most of the religions of the world look like something like a human invented. In fact, many of them look like something a guy invented, but that's another subject. But what could you turn to and say, see, this isn't something we invented with our minds. It's true. Here's proof. Now, I I know in the final analysis, we all have to walk by faith. Nothing can be absolutely proven to the philosophical skeptic. But still, there are many who walk with God in deep assurance. So how far is God willing to go to prove himself to human beings? Do we dare ask for proof? Or will such presumption make him angry if he's there? Philip, preaching in Samaria, gives us an answer. Here we go. We're going to start at uh, verse 4 of chapter 8. We talked about scattered. Remember that? And and we saw that that word scattered, which is translated there scattered, actually means sown. It's it's just like a farmer taking um, in his hand the seed, and and that is the word it's used. Luke chooses that word, sown. So, He says this, in effect, he says, God sows people, people sow the word. Say that. God Yeah, he takes you in his hands and he sows you where he wants you. You, full of the word of God, sow the word of God as he opens the doors for you. You see it? You're the seed and the seed's in you. It's both. He sows you and then you sow the word. Therefore, those who had been sown went about preaching the word. There it is. Philip went down to the city of Samaria 
and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was being said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. Now we're going we're gonna to see a, a competitor, you might say. There's somebody else in town. There was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Look at verse 6 there. This is it's my translation, but, but I've, and I've selected just part of it, but I want you to see something. Verse 6 says this. The crowds gave heed. Actually, and the word isn't listened. He doesn't use the word listened. He means to... To, to take something, but they, they gave heed, the crowds gave heed to the things being said as they heard and saw the signs he was doing. Would you read that? The crowds heed, come on, things being said as they heard and saw, they listened to him when they saw what he was doing. I want you to see that. This is New Testament Christianity. This is the way they worked. They didn't just go out and stand up on a, on, a, on a soapbox or something and start preaching and say, believe it or else. There is the word and there's power. Stuff's happening. God is showing himself real. You see it? Phil, in fact, the, the real M.O., in the New Testament, is God does something, people go, what was that? And then you preach the gospel. Not simply, I will have such eloquent words. I will persuade you into believing. I will argue with you philosophically and prove in a Loctite-type way that God must exist. You don't have that kind of thing at all. In fact, you, you really look all through the Bible, and you can't find that kind of apologetics, it's called. They just go, and somebody get healed, and then they go, that's God. And nobody's going, oh, prove me is God. They're all going, you're serious. Look, check. Oh, my goodness. That's New Testament Christianity. I'm thinking America needs that again. I'm thinking that America's not real impressed with our philosophical arguments or our doctrines. You know, I'm just thinking that. that they have, there needs to be something people see. If your God's real, prove it. Wouldn't you agree? And we can. That's what's fun. They had unclean spirits coming out. The paralyzed and the lame were healed. I want to look at Simon the shaman. 
Now, they call him a magician, but you know what he is. He's a shaman. He's the, he's the, he's the witch doctor. He's the, he's the guy with the, with the good vibes or the bad vibes, however you want to look at that. He's in touch with the demons is what he's doing. And this is all over the world, and it's all over the world today. I mentioned Indibella. Uh, you, you didn't, I didn't mention the name, but when, when, uh, when, uh, when uh, Graham and Justin and me and others went to Indibella in 1994-ish, 3-ish, I don't know, somewhere in there, we were way out in the, what's called the Transkai, building a church, and we had, we had a, a big yellow and white tent put up, and we would work during the day. These guys on horseback would ride from uh, house to house. I mean, house. They're, they're, they're uh, called rondavels. They're, they're round, uh, beautiful, actually. They look like, almost organic, like they grow there, and they paint them beautifully. These beautiful round houses with the straw roof, you know. And uh, then they'd go to the schools. They'd take a soccer ball, and that's all it took. And they got the entire student body, you know, and... And, they're, they're, and then they'd invite them for the evening service and also to the medical clinic because we were holding, we're doing what they're doing in Myanmar, in a sense. And we'd have a medical clinic and then people would come and not only would we treat them medically, but we would also, of course, pray for them, lay hands on them, pray for them. And p- people would get healed as well um, as, as, as help from the medicine. And then we'd have an evening service. Um, that tent... I never counted. Somebody said there were 600 in there. I, but I'm going to tell you, is we had a, a generator running outside because there's no power, there's no, there's no running water, there's no road. I mean, you just four by four it to here. There's a little sort of road right around the, the, the village. Um, and we'd run this, the, the lights, you know, and we'd, we'd have some sound and we'd have an evening service. I will, t- I will t- take to my grave the memory of the singing. 600 people. Can I tell you something? In, in Africa, they grow up with, with choirs and singing so they can all sing and actually hit the pitch. <laughs> they ask us to come along. Oh, you sing too. And then we, oh, it's just awful. And then they sing. And it's three, four-part harmony. Very sophisticated. I, I, I still can't sing. You know how I syncopate. Um, and, and, and it's all syncopated. I mean, it's this fabulous syncopated music. And it's just, and then, and then everybody's singing different parts. And it's just, it literally goes into your bones. It is just, oh, you stand there in this beauty and you listen to this. In the middle of all this, with, with the power of God moving, power, power showed up, people are getting saved. One of the people who came and you, you always have the dignitaries, I mean, the, and which is men, sorry. And, and the men sit, the older men, hallelujah, we do deserve respect. Yeah. They say in Africa, no gray hair, you got nothing to say. Come on. They, they, they see me, that's, yeah. oh, wise one. Anyway, the, 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 the dignity. And one of them was the, 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 the chief, who was also um, a, a shaman, a witch doctor, if you want to call it. A witch doctor sounds kind of like it's silly, 
But you got to understand something. In, 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 in cultures where you don't have anything else, do you realize there is a spiritual world? Everybody but America knows that. Yeah, America and a few of the Western Europeans. Everybody else knows it. And, and so you have these, these shaman, these men, generally men, not always though, you have women too, who are in touch with demonic realms, know how to cast curses, know how to deal with this kind of stuff, and they can give you help. And, and the, in the course of this time we were there, the, the, um, the chief, the shaman, became a Christian. And, and what he said was, he said, look, I gave my people the best I had. I love my people. And he said, and when I see a greater power like this, I want that. Hallelujah. See, we don't realize, you know, you, you say, oh, they don't want. No, but what they are interested in. And, and when you, I, I was just sitting with a, a group of African leaders last summer or something. And. They just, they just think we're silly here in America. I mean, they don't, they don't think there's demons. They don't think these issues are there. They're living with them in, in some of the most, most forceful ways. And for them, Christianity must have power. The, 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 whole, the whole way that Christianity is having such a profound effect, and you know it is, it's just sweeping is the name of Jesus really is above every name. You can command those things out. And when you use the name of Jesus, they'll go. And people will get healed. And they are. That's the way they're working. What I want you to see is this. What's happening here isn't some exotic thing that happened 2,000 years ago. It's happening over most of planet Earth right now. Just not where we live. We're all too smart. In verse 10, Luke tells us that before Philip arrived, all from small to great, notice, gave heed. Same word, they, were give, they had been giving heed to Simon the shaman. And when Philip shows up, now they give heed to Philip. Because the people of Samaria needed help. And Simon offered power. They were tormented by demonic activity. Many were sick and injured. And if people can't get help from God, they'll look elsewhere. And there is power in other religions. Paul says its source is demonic. But it's power nonetheless. It is power nonetheless. Don't kid yourself. I'm so tempted to tell more stories. But I'm... Yeah, well, you just taught me. Oh, stop. No, don't, don't. I don't know why this, this comes back to my mind. I mean, I've seen this lots of places, but this is, this is Africa again. Mary and I, when we were in college, were part of a, a, a group that traveled. Uh, it, it's hard to explain. Our, our, my, our college did this, and this was five months around the world, and we got five credits for it. A professor and his wife went with us with about 30 students. One of the places we were was we were a month in Ethiopia. You know, when we send Muhammad Musa and all of that, you need to understand, I, I've been for a month in Ethiopia, and I've been all over, and I've studied it at the university. I have, I have a course there. <laughs> and Mary, Mary, too. I mean, this is uh, uh, economics of emerging nations. It, 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 I can still remember our teacher. Anyway, so one of the, because of our 
Mary and me being kind of charismatic and Pentecostal. I don't know how we made the connection, but we did we, with, with, a, with a spirit-filled Lutheran. There are, in fact, once you get outside the United States, they're all that way. Um, they are. Um, and we, they, there's a, there was a great radio tower there called Radio Voice of the Gospel. And uh, there, it was a mission station, and we got invited to a prayer meeting at, at one evening. And so we got picked up, and, and we went over across town and, and uh, went to this prayer meeting. And, and one of the, these, they're doctors and mission, doc, medical missionaries, and they, they, one of, they were telling this story. They, they said, I said, you boy, you guys are, you guys are Pentecostals. And they said, yeah, well, reluctant ones, but we are. And, and the one guy said, I'll tell you how it happened to me. He said, I was up in this town. I can still remember the name, but it was no point in it. And he said, we were up in this town at, at the mission station. And we had a woman come who was dying. And we did not know what she was dying of. We used everything we knew to do. We, we administered all of that kind of thing. And uh, she actually was, was dying and, and was so anemic, she was turning white. Her, her, even her hair was turning white. Now, they said, we, knew, we, we understood from her that she had been actually cursed uh, by a, a particular somebody or shaman. But we didn't believe in that stuff, you know. <laughs> Just figured it's all psychoses or whatever. And uh, they're superstition. And, and so we're ministering everything to her. And, and she, she was literally dying in front of our eyes. And they said, finally. And the guy says, I just figured, oh, well, why not try? And he said, I, I knew what the Bible said. So, it, it, and she's clearly dying in front of us. So I said, in the name of Jesus, I command this thing out of her. He said, you just have to take my word for it. As God is my witness. He said within about 45 minutes, that woman was in complete health. And her hair had turned back to its normal color. He said, I've never seen anything like it. And he said, at that moment, I knew this is real. He's a Lutheran. Come on. <laughs> so were we at the time, by the way. Yeah. Hallelujah. What am I saying? This is the way I think this is the future, people. And I think it's the future in the United States. I, I, think, I think for you to try to argue biblically with a lot of people and just sort of, or philosophically, I don't think they care. When you have a lot of hard-hearted people that have been just had atheism pounded into them, relativism pounded into them, they got no value system anywhere, what are you going to appeal to? God has his ways of proving he's real. And he's not afraid to do it. That's what Philip's showing us. Okay, here we go. What we see happening in Samaria is a classic example of what missionaries call a power encounter. Who's stronger, your God or mine? And we see here how easily Jesus wins those battles when we let him. Yet sadly, Western Christianity has turned our faith into a cold, powerless, secularizing force. We go all over the world telling people demons don't exist, God doesn't do miracles anymore, but we say we, they'd better believe our doctrine because if they don't, they'll go to hell. God doesn't prove himself anymore. We say, you'll just have to trust us. 
People need God, but not everybody knows it. The, the need they know they have may be their need for protection or a job or healing or for the nightmares to stop. Few realize how much they need their sins forgiven. There's something in the human heart called pride that sees the sin in others very clearly, but not our own. Yours is quite obvious to me, by the way. <laughs> I simply have, um, I have needs and I act out. It has to be pretty bad before we'll use the word sin to describe our own behavior. Yet God is willing to meet people in the area where they know they need help. Did you see this? He enters through any door will open because he's kind and loves us. But of course, he hopes that kindness will lead us to repentance. What I'm, do you see what we're saying? Because that's what's going on in Samaria. What is the need they know they have? We're sick. We have demons. We got, we got harassment. And so God comes to Samaria and says, and I'll help you right there. Once he helps them, once the deliverance is happening, once the power of God's at work, once the healings are happening, people go, wait a minute, tell us about your God. Who is this Jesus? And then they're getting baptized. You see it? He will meet us where we'll open the door. Jesus put it into perspective when he asked, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? And to forfeit his soul. Each of us needs something far greater than health, safety, or provision. We need mercy. We need a savior. But we may not know that yet. In, when we were in, in Phoenix, uh, we, before we came here, Mary and I had uh, planted a church in uh, Tempe, Arizona. And uh, we had a small, older four-square church. In uh, South Phoenix. South Phoenix is the poorer part of the city. And uh, there was a, 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 one, of our, one of our old Foursquare Saints, a woman pastor. Her husband had, had, had died. Uh, and, and, and she w- would not leave because they, they, no one wanted the mission. And she was not about to turn her people and everything over to nothing. You know? So she's a great woman. She was there. And... Basically, people were ignoring her as far as I could see. I don't know how that all lined up. And so we started, virtually, we started the church in 1st of October. By Thanksgiving, we're taking uh, Thanksgiving food down. uh, And by, not just to her, but she was located right near what are the flower fields in in Phoenix at that time. And the flower, all the, and, and, and we would, have these, we'd just hold a mission and we'd give out food and we'd give out things. We started doing it once a month and then challenged the other four square churches to come in once a month. So we started having a mission there every week. And we, uh, we would fill that place. It, it was an it was a old Quonset hut that had been just put on the, on the, on the dirt. And the, the moisture, there is a little bit in Arizona, it had seeped up from the bottom and the, and the walls were actually kind of buckled. I don't know what held it up other than the grace of God. And they could take about 50 people in there. We'd have these services. It'd be packed. I mean, it was just wall-to-wall people, just slammed. And we'd have a worship, and then and maybe I'd preach or somebody would preach, and then we'd say, who wants to receive Jesus? Nobody. Not one hand. Just They'd look at you. 
And then you'd say, well, we're going we're gonna to close the service now. But if you'd like prayer for healing or any kind of ministry, we'd be happy to minister to you. Do you know how many people would wait for us? Every single one of them, yeah. It was just bizarre. I learned something right there. I thought, okay, I'm getting it. Everyone would stay. They'd come. We'd lay hands on them, pray for them. And, and then they're pouring out their hearts, telling us all about their family and their situations and wanting prayer and asking about Jesus. And we're having all of this based on prayer for healing, prayer for protection, prayer for, for whatever the, the, the practical need, the need they knew they had. That was the door that would open. And then once the door opened, it was so easy to talk about Jesus. You follow this? I mean, this, this is this, what he's doing. Is, this is not exotic 2,000 years ago. This, this works today. Proving he's real. God isn't afraid to prove himself to us. In fact, it's the normal way he deals with people in the Bible. There are many examples of God proving that he's real and that he's good before he asks someone to submit to him as their God. For example, how about the Exodus? If I turn there, I want you to see the Exodus. I just pick a I pick Jesus and the Exodus. I figure those are good examples. But go with me to Exodus 19. How often do we say, well, no, you gotta come and and you gotta come and 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 make Jesus your Lord, then he'll help you. That isn't the way it works here. And, and I want you to see that with the entire nation of Israel, God did not ask them to submit, surrender to him in covenant until he'd proved himself to them as a good and powerful Lord. You see this? Now, look here. We're in, we're in Exodus 19. And they have arrived finally at Mount Sinai. And I'll just start at verse 1. In the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. When they set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness, and there Israel camped in front of the mountain. Okay, so the nation has just arrived at Mount Sinai. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of of Jacob and tell the sons of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. He starts out and he says, I've already shown you who I am. You watched me do the plagues with Egypt. You watched me release you from the most powerful empire on earth. I just set you free. Then I took you through an ocean and drowned the Egyptian army who was going to take you, cut your throats, rape you, and take you back into slavery. I killed them all, didn't I? You did a nice job. And then I had bread come down from the sky. Rephidim, I just opened the rock and, and had, a, had, a, had, a, had a water pour out. Now look, next one. I I love that phrase, I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession. Actually, my precious treasure is what he says. You shall be my special treasure. 
among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. I've proven myself to you. I've shown you I'm a powerful and a loving God. I have protected you, fed you, covered you with a cloud. I have delivered you. Now, will you or won't you let me be your Lord? Enter into covenant and become holy as I'm holy. Will you or won't you? You see it? He didn't just ask them cold turkey, say, you're staying here in slavery. You're going to sweat it out, man, until you make me your Lord. Then I'll get you out of here. He did his work first. He showed them his power first. He showed them his character first. Then he said, will you follow me now? And in chapter 24 of Exodus, they do. But we're not going to go there. Here we go. Jesus, why don't you read it out loud with me? This is John 10, verse 37 and 38. If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. He says, if you don't believe what I'm teaching you or or preaching, then look at the miracles. Look at the healings. Look at the deliverances. look Look at all that's going on. Look at that. And he says, if I don't do those, don't even listen to me. If I got no power, don't just take my words for it. Look what God does through me. Did did Jesus expect to have signs that confirmed the word? Did he ask people to just believe his doctrine? Somebody say no. I had three. I wasn't enough. I was a little nervous. Yeah. He delivered and healed. He spoke words of knowledge. By the way, this isn't the first time anyone's come to the city of Samaria Jesus arrived there. Remember that? And, and how did he do? He, he sits by a well. This woman comes out and starts a, a theological debate with him. And how did he solve it? He said, why don't you bring your husband out? And she says, don't have one. He says, no, you don't. You have five. And she says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Yeah. What's that? A word of knowledge. She, he's showing her, I'm, a, I'm listening to God here. God is in this thing. And she wakes up and she says, now, who are you? And then he tells her, and what does she do? She goes back into the city and she says, come and see a man who told me all that I had did. And it said many believed. Not because of it. I mean, they, she believed his words after she saw the power of God. He performed signs. He, when he called Peter, Andrew, James, and John, he, you remember how it happened? He shows up at the lake. They're fishing. And he says, got any fish? Oh, you know. And then and they, they, they say, nope. and he says, throw the net on the other side. And Peter explains, look, it's um, daylight and uh, fish don't come in the daylight. They can see the net. And, you know, we've already fished everywhere here, sir. But at your word, okay, throw it over. (laughs) Wham! And the thing is so heavy, it's all they can do to break. 
What is, what is his response? He's terrified. You want to you talk to a fisherman about who's God? Fill that net full of fish. Yeah, that's what, that's what he's talking to Peter, James, Peter, Andrew, James, John. He's talking to them in their language. He's saying, follow me. I can do that. He's got their attention. They're listening to this man. And Peter, Peter, Peter's words were, depart from me, Lord. I'm a, I'm a sinful man. Peter went from point A to point B real fast. He was, oh, my goodness. And, and he's, I'm sinful. You must know that, too. And that's, that's where he was right off. How am I doing? I got 18. Can you have another story? Am I wearing, if I'm wearing you out, just tell me. I was, um, I went to the hospital. I got somebody asked me to go to the hospital. Their son was in the hospital. Would I go visit him? And so I went and young fella. And I, I, I said, you know, I've never seen you before. And I guess your family's in the church. He says, yeah, I don't go much. And, um, I said, do you believe in Jesus? He says, not really. And I, I, I said, um, what, what do you have here? What do, I, what do I hear? And he says, I don't know. He says, I got these strange things, and, and um, I'm pretty worried about it. It, it, it could be cancer. And um, I said, well, let me, tell, let me ask you a question. And I said, I, I will pray for you regardless because Jesus is loving. But if you will open your heart to him, if he shows himself to you, let me ask you, if you know that he's real, will you follow him? He says, yeah, if I knew he was real, I would. He said, okay, I'm going to pray. I prayed for him. I'm not making this up. He, he went into surgery, and when, when they rolled him out, they put him in a room with another young man, his own age, who had the same symptoms. And he came to out of the medicine, out of the anesthesia, in time to listen to the doctor talk to the other young man who'd had surgery as well. And the young man, they, they, they told the young man, um, when we opened you up, you were so full of cancer, there was no point in our going any further, and we've simply sewed you back. And he heard the young man, you know, weeping his heart out. So he's waiting for them to come to him. Scared spitless. They came to him and they said, um, well, we opened you up. So there's nothing there. Really, young man, the best thing we can think is that you must have cat scratch fever. Um, do you have a cat? No. He says, well, we don't know what, but you don't have anything. He, was, he showed up in church. <laughs> now, what just happened there? God showed himself to this young man. I can heal you. I can protect you. I can deliver you. I'm strong. And he was true to his word. 
Jesus also refused to perform signs for some who asked. Uh, I'll I'll show you that. There there are people he won't show himself to. It isn't just he, he shows himself to anybody. There are people he won't. So look with me at Matthew 12. I'll just show you that quickly. Matthew 12, uh, verse 38. Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. As Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the whale, so will the Son of Man be three days and nights in the heart of the earth. Look at uh, verse, chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. See it again. Pharisees and the Sadducees came up testing Jesus, and they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. Show us a sign. Prove you're real. And he replied to them, when it's evening, you say, the, it'll be fair weather. The sky is red and, and in the morning, etc. And then he says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. A sign will not be given except the sign of Jonah. He doesn't do magic tricks. He's not a carnival act. You follow that? You don't just poke God and he'll do stuff. You don't tell him what he'll do. He only does works that are consistent with his character and when he knows someone's open to the truth. If a person will honestly pray, God, if you're real, show me. In his own way and timing, he will. Do not be afraid of that prayer. I've often encouraged someone and said, look, I understand you don't believe. Would you believe if he showed himself to you? If you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt he was real, would you follow him? Because honestly, just because they know he's real doesn't mean that somebody's going to follow him. You know that, right? I mean, the issue isn't just ignorance. The issue is people don't want a Lord. You know, they know what he's going to do to them. But some people aren't asking honestly. They demand miracles as a way of avoiding God. They demand a sign which they hope won't be done so they can pretend they gave God a chance and he failed. Usually, there's an underlying agenda. They don't want to see that God, that God is real because if they do, they'll be forced to submit to him and change. John three nineteen through 21, you, you know the passage. It says, uh, he who practices the truth does what? Comes to the light. But he that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light. Why? Because his deeds will be reproved or corrected. So, so Jesus says there are people who fundamentally their integrity, they are pursuing the truth. They are seeking truth. If they find truth, they want that. And there are people who've, who've, whose history is duplicitous. This, this isn't about seeking truth. They don't want God to tell them to stop doing what they're doing. And they're not about to let him. He says, those who hate the light, neither cometh to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved. But those that doeth truth, those that are genuinely, honestly seeking the truth. When they see, they come. And then he says that their deeds may be manifest, that they're wrought in God. That, that basically they've been, they've been pursuing God ultimately in their heart. 
To show proofs to the deliberately hard-hearted only brings greater condemnation. Why don't you read this section out loud with me, Luke 16. No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they'll not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. That's the rich man who's now in the you-know-where talking across to Father Abraham saying, I've got five brothers. And please send someone from the dead to them uh, so they don't come here. And Abraham says, Let them, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to that. And he says, no, but if someone goes from the dead, and the answer is, no, their hearts are hard. They're not looking for the truth. Even if you had a resurrection, they won't believe. Counting the cost. God is asking people to make a very costly decision. If we want him to save us, we must trust our eternity to his son, Jesus, and surrender everything, serving him for the rest of our lives. You realize what you're doing? You're putting your eternity in Jesus' hands. He's saying, believe in me. And my daughter, Rebecca, and I would, had gone to my mom, and uh, we were going to give her a fluoride treatment. And uh, mom didn't look well. And uh, she was... She was, her color was bad. She would, she, and as we looked at her, it seemed like there was a time she wouldn't breathe. And um, we're thinking, oh my, are we there? Well, did a little bit of what I'm talking about here. I, I, I'm willing to let her go whenever. But I said, Jesus, if it, you've numbered her days. Here's the other end. We just prayed for a little one. All right, now we're praying for... We, you've numbered her days, and we want every one of them. I want every one of them. In the name of Jesus Christ, any spirit of death, anything is trying to come, we bind it in the name of Jesus. Get out of here. Well, her color came back, and she perked up and watched TV. I called. I said, how is she doing today? She said she ate everything for breakfast, and she's perky. Now, there'll come a day. But I just realized as I was looking at this, there's my mother and do you realize that we're, I'm trusting Jesus Christ to take my mom when she, that last breath goes? I, I literally, as we were watching, we kind of realized how she's going to go. She's, Rebecca says, she'll just go to sleep. That's so beautiful. There'll come a moment where there's a last breath. We are trusting our entire eternity into the hands of Jesus Christ. So are you. This isn't a game. You're putting your eternity on it. He's asking you to surrender to him as Lord and trust him entirely. And if, if it's wrong, you're toast. Literally. Sorry, now I can't miss a bad joke. And he doesn't ask people to make this decision without proof. For those who trust the Bible, the Bible is proof enough. But there are many who don't know about the Bible. And for someone to say it's in the Bible isn't enough for them. And that's our society now more and more. So we still need God to show himself powerful in our day. And the good news is he will. He hasn't changed. So what does this mean for us as believers? Do we all have to become miracle workers to prove 
to people that God exists. Did you figure that's where I was going? No. No, we just have to do our part. He's the only one who can prove himself to anyone. Here's some lessons we learned by watching Philip in Samaria. We aren't responsible to produce miracles, but we are responsible to pray for those who ask. Philip didn't chase people down. He must have told them about Jesus and then ministered to some, someone as the Spirit led him. And once God moved, people just kept asking for help. All you and I have to do is what God opens in front of us. It's important, number two, for each of us to learn to pray with faith and authority. Do you know how? Can you pray with faith and authority? Or are you one of those guys or gals that gets there and begs? Or whines or snuffles. It's okay to snuffle, but you got to stop and then pray with authority. I mean, you can be in moments where you're moved emotionally, but do you, do you realize the emotions have absolutely no power? I mean, it's fine that you cry, but if you think because you cried your prayer is more effective, you are, you are, and in fact, my opinion, it's less. There's a moment where you, you can cry your heart out, get over it, now pray. In authority, with the name of Jesus, pray. Deal with the thing. You do not deal with it out of that kind of begging, snuffling weakness. There's no power. Have you learned to pray? When someone is in trouble, when someone's in need, can you say, can I pray for you? Do you know how? Spiritual ministry is an essential part of our witnessing. Can I pray for you? Often comes before leading someone to salvation. Three, we must recognize that when Jesus says, go into the world, it's not just to speak, it's also to minister. The two go together. He wants to confirm what we preach. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by signs that followed. That's Mark 16. Say, confirmed the word. Yeah, God confirms his word with signs following. And number four, we won't be afraid to encourage someone to pray. Lord, if you're real, please show yourself to me. Because we know that if it's a sincere request, he'll do something amazing in that person's life. He'll speak to them in a way they can hear. All authority. Turn, that's last place. Turn with me to Matthew 28, verse 18. When I speak on Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I do it all the time. I do a lot on verse 19 and 20. And I always kind of recite verse 18. But I want to show you right now how verse 18 fits in. He, he doesn't send us out just to preach a message. We aren't left powerless to persuade everyone with the eloquence of our words. We go out clothed with his authority. Listen to this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Say that. All authority to me in heaven and on earth. This is why the Great Commission starts out with these words. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And ends with these words. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Read that. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Everything belongs to him. Just as the promised land belongs to Israel. 
belonged, but they had still had to fight to take what God had given them. Jesus says, God the Father has now put under my authority the entire planet. It's mine. Go. God said to Israel, I am giving you this promised land. Go. Now, everybody, when they arrived, didn't say, hey, we hear it's yours. <laughs> did they? What did they have to do? They had to fight to take it town by town. And so Jesus says, planet's mine. Go. What do we have to do? We fight to take it. Person by person, heart by heart. Yeah, exactly. Everything belongs to him. Okay, I read that. God had given them. Here's one of the promises Jesus must have had in mind when he said this. Why don't you read it out loud? I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. Psalm 2 is God the Father giving the Son, all authority. And when, it, when, it, when that happens, Paul says it's the resurrection. Jesus becomes the firstborn, the newborn son of a whole new race of people, resurrected human beings. This day I have begotten thee. And then God says to this new begotten son, he's, not, he, he's existed forever, but he's begotten the, the firstborn of a new race. And you and I are, the, are his are his sons or his sons, the father's sons and daughters, the Jesus brothers and sisters. It's, he's our firstborn. And he says to this firstborn, he says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. Very ends of the earth is your possession. And Jesus has asked and God has given. And so now we go forth. We go forth even to Myanmar. We go forth wherever. Like soldiers, we go out into the world and extend the boundaries of his authority. Only we don't fight people. We fight the enemies of God. Read the enemies of God. Deception, ignorance, disease, demons, injustice, poverty, loneliness. And we don't use swords, spears, or guns. We use, read it, truth, healing, deliverance, generosity, community. That's our weapons. I could have thrown in some more prayer. I wasn't thinking. Truth. And this is what it sounds like when we win. So there was much rejoicing in that city. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized men and women alike. Those are our enemies. These are our weapons. The Father's given to the Son everything. And he says to us now, go, equipped with my authority. I'm with you always to the end of the earth, end of the age. I will always be with you. My authority will always attend you. You are equipped and empowered. Go. Tomorrow, you and I go. Tonight. We go wherever we're with people, wherever we are. If I begin to get it, that God is with me. And when and I'm just watching and there's needs or issues. My response isn't just, can I lecture you? Can I tell you where you're wrong? 
Hasn't that been a terrible approach? How's it work? Just about, to, just about ruining everything. Try this. How you, you don't look like you feel too well today. No, I'm not. Can I pray for you? Sure. I guess so. You know, I've had people say, oh, I don't really believe. I think, That's fine, I do. <laughs> I got it covered. <laughs> Name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. Just you don't have to say a lot. Not you just in the name of Jesus. Watch what happens when God begins to move in people's lives. Would you stand with me? I have a closing prayer I've written there. I find myself doing this more and more with, with, with believers. When I sense the Holy Spirit on them, is praying that God will, and I do it for myself all the time too, my ad, just pray, open my eyes to see what you're doing. I, I sometimes will put my hand kind of over the eyes. And I just say, Holy Spirit, open the eyes. People, we got to come out of this secularism. We got to come out of, of, of living like, like this dead Western Christianity. You are spiritual people. You are full of the living God. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to the Son, and He is with you. He is in you. And so when you go into a situation, you need to start seeing with a different set of eyes. Open your spiritual eyes. See what he's doing. Listen with your spiritual ears to the Holy Spirit guide you. This doesn't make you a fruitcake. It doesn't. In in fact, the, 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 the spaciest ones, the silly ones, there's silly stuff. I know that. But man, this isn't silly. And you're going to see stuff and hear stuff and stuff will start happening. You're going to realize the spiritual world is totally real. So would you ask tonight, God, open my ears. I want to hear. When you speak to me, when you prompt me, when you say something to me, I'm listening. When you show me what you're doing, when I can see what you are at work doing, I will follow. Will you? And then we're going to pray for your hands. Hold your hands out a second. This is no joke. Those hands are holy. Those hands are meant to minister to the Lord. And you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Those hands are clean. And God wants to pour his spirit. He wants wants those hands laid on people and the healing power and the delivering power and the grace of God. Why don't we start? Just put your hands over your eye for a minute. May my spiritual eyes be open. May I see what you're doing. Open my eyes, Jesus. Open my ears. That I can hear your voice. I'm listening spiritually to you. As you prompt me. As you coach me. I will follow you. You dwell inside of me. You go with me wherever I go. I am a spiritual man. A spiritual woman. 
Now, Holy Spirit, I offer to you these hands. May, this, may your presence and power minister through these hands. Your great love to the sick, to the brokenhearted, to the harassed. Oh God, I offer my hands to you. I accept the commission to go into the world and preach Christ. Not just with words, but with your loving power. Guide me and teach me in this. In Jesus' powerful name I pray it. And I will follow. If that's true of you, would you say amen? Blessed be the Lord. Lord, we receive thank you for simply moving us all, every one of us, forward further, moving deeper, moving on into the things of the Spirit. We bless you for breaking into our generation, breaking into an unbelieving society, a skeptical, cynical, atheistic society, full of, 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 of addictions, full of trouble, more and more demonized, but very, very isolated. Thank you, Lord God. You can walk into this situation and show, show yourself strong. You can prove yourself. You're the living God that made heaven and earth. Lord God, we're simply saying, by your grace, we will not hold you back. We will allow you to speak afresh to this place in this generation and to see many come to Christ. We bless you for it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.